0: Welcome to a brief chat i'm jason crane today is wednesday it's the 29th day of july 2020 let's take a look back at this day in radical history via the slingshot day planner you can get yours at slingshotcollective.org they don't advertise i just like them and so i'm giving them a shout out each day on this day in 1990 the u.s ambassador infers to saddam hussein that the u.s has no objection to the invasion of kuwait i'm shocked shocked i tell you This is the third time I've recorded this episode. Uh, Now that I'm recording them on video, I every day forget to start the video and then get several minutes in and my phone shuts off and I realize, oh, it was never recording. Then I did the entire thing. And in the last three sentences, somebody called me and that shut the recording off. So hopefully I have now got everything in place so that it won't be interrupted. And I know that it's recording and we'll try to get through this again. So we are uh, continuing with Pointers to Insight, The Life of a Zen Monk by uh, Soko Morinaga Roshi. And if you will recall, these are, by the way, sequential, so you should listen to the previous couple if you haven't yet. But anyway, he uh, in high school, he goes off to fight in World War II uh, on the side of Japan, of course, because he's Japanese. He comes back. He is very disillusioned about good versus evil. Plus he has lost both his parents they die within one day of one another and then because of i i believe it's not super clear in here but i'm guessing because of the transitional government the occupation government of the u.s he can't get access to um the funds that he has i think that he got probably from his folks and also he loses the land that he owned so or that his family owned so he's essentially penniless um, he has no real prospects and he says in here, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if I'd hurled myself under a train or joined a gang or whatever, but he, he makes a different choice. So, uh, we're on chapter four, it's called suffering brings an encounter just to note that there will be a bunch of place names that end in G the, the sound G J I, and that means temple. So when he mentions like Daitokuji, that's a big Buddhist temple suffering brings an encounter. Thus, a strange set of circumstances made me knock at the gates of Zen temples. Having visited some, a happy turn of events brought me to Kyoto's Daishuin and into the presence of Goto Zuigan Roshi. And remember, again, Roshi is the honorific for master or teacher. He had been Lord Abbot of Myoshinji and later of Daitokuji and had now retired, and those are like big deal places to have been the abbot of. I presented myself before him, sloppily dressed with long unkempt hair and wooden clogs on my feet. His first words were, Why have you come here? In reply, I went on and on about everything that had happened to me up until then and about what I had been going through. The Roshi heard me out in silence for about an hour and a half without once interrupting. When I had got it all off my chest, he said, I've listened to what you said, and it seems to me you've lost faith in everything and everybody. However, training is impossible if you don't trust your teacher. Can you trust me? If you can, I'll take you on just as you are. If you can't, it would be a waste of time and you'd be better off going home. I think in our present, and this is now back to, uh... Soko Morinaga, I think in our present society we have forgotten that when it comes to learning something, trust in one's teacher is absolutely essential, regardless whether he be a Zen master or a university professor. So it was the first thing the Roshi emphasized. However, since I was completely good for nothing without integrity, despite the Roshi's venerable 70 years of age, I thought to myself, this silly old man may well have been the Lord Abbot of both Myoshinji and Daitokuji, for all I care, but the world is full of impostors and high positions in society. How can he expect me to put my whole trust in him? I have only just met him. If it were that simple, I would have trusted someone or believed something before and need not have come here. But I came here because I find it so difficult to put my trust in anything or anybody, didn't I? However, I knew that if I spoke my thoughts aloud, he would immediately tell me to go home since I was wasting my time. The most important thing, then, seemed to me to be allowed to stay, even if it meant lying. So I said, I trust you. Please take me on. At that time, I had no idea of the importance of the word trust. But during that first day, its meaning forcefully began to dawn. And just my own little insertion here... I totally get that idea. I am very anti-authoritarian. I, As I've joked before, I don't even like it when the GPS person gives me instructions. I totally get the idea of not wanting to submit to any kind of authority, and in this case, particularly the authority of someone you've just met moments ago. Um, Trust, to me, is a very hard thing to to earn, and it's an expensive currency. But at the same time, I have been now practicing Buddhism for long enough that in that particular context, I know that most of what I know about this, you know, beyond what I've experienced myself by doing the practice, but most of what I know kind of, you know, academically speaking, or in terms of the lore of Buddhism, so on and so forth, and then, you know, any corrections kind of to my practice and uh, help along the way shaping my practice, all of that has come from, you know, teachers that I've worked with. And it has required me to kind of submit in a way that is uncomfortable for me, but I think ultimately beneficial. Um, but yeah, I I mean, I just totally, I totally relate, um, to his discomfort here. Come along with me. The Roshi said, and the first thing I was given to do was sweep the garden In the garden with the 70 year old Roshi, we both together began to sweep with bamboo brooms. The gardens of Zen temples are intentionally planted with all kinds of trees to make sure leaves fall continuously throughout the year, not just the maple leaves in autumn, but those of evergreen oak and camphor laurel, which flutter steadily down in spring and indeed all the year. I had arrived in April and the garden was full of leaves. If we are honest, we have to admit that our innermost motives are often extremely petty. So, while still thinking him a silly old man expecting me to trust him, I somehow wanted to win his approval. So I grasped my broom and swept mightily and soon had together a mountain of leaves. I asked Roshi where should I put all this rubbish, hoping he would see how good I'd been. He immediately roared, "'Leaves are not rubbish!' I started to say, "'That's all very well, but over here,' and he replied, "'You don't trust me, do you?' Since I did not know how to counter that, I asked, "'Well, then where should I get rid of the leaves?' you don't get rid of them, he roared again. So then I asked, well, what should I do with them? And he replied, go to the shed and bring any empty charcoal sacks you find there. Coming back, I found the Roshi vigorously raking through the pile of leaves so that any stones or gravel fell to the bottom. He then took the sacks and filled them to the very last leaf, packing them tightly with his feet. Hey, you, he said, go put these back in the shed. They're kindling for the bath fire. When I carried the sacks back to the shed, I realized that the leaves were not rubbish after all, but I was still convinced that the remaining bits and pieces were. However, when I came back, I saw the Roshi squatting on the ground picking out the small stones from what remained. When he had carefully gathered them together to the last tiny pebble, he said, Now put these beneath the eaves. And when I took them to where the raindrops dripping from the eaves had made holes in the ground and arranged them with the gravel which had been placed there before, they filled the holes and, what is more, looked extremely attractive. I had to admit to myself that the stones were not rubbish after all, but I was still quite sure that the remaining lumps of earth and scraps of moss could serve no useful purpose. But the Roshi just collected them together without fuss, placed them on the palm of his hand, and, searching the ground with his eyes, put them into the depressions in the ground, firming them in with his foot until nothing remained." Then he said, and what about that? Do you understand a little? Originally, there is no rubbish in either men or things. This was the first teaching I received at the feet of Zuigan Roshi. I had an inkling of insight, but unfortunately I could not see clearly enough to experience Satori or enlightenment. The Roshi's words that originally there is no rubbish either in men or in things actually comprise the basic truth of Buddhism. However, at that time, I did not understand at all. And here, um, I don't know if you heard the episode a week or so ago where I had kind of made a spreadsheet. This is kind of at the end of my exploring Catholicism phase. And I had kind of made a Catholicism versus Buddhism spreadsheet, not, you know, pitting them against each other as which is good or which is bad or whatever, but just which is more suitable for me. And one of the big things for me was that Catholicism and not just Catholicism, but a lot of Christianity starts with the idea of original sin. In other words, uh, Adam and Eve, they you know, fell because they ate the fruit from the garden and they were cast out of Eden. And as a result, we all start with this stain on ourselves that we have to go to the Lord for salvation from. And Buddhism, on the other hand, tends to start with the idea that all things contain Buddha nature, that we are all interconnected, that we are all already perfect beings. And really the point of of Buddhist practice is to discover that to be true for ourselves and to discover the interdependence of all things. And that to me is a better place to start for me because I already have baked in because of my childhood and other things in my life, the idea that I'm not worthy of love, the idea that I am, you know, lesser than. And so if I have to then in my spiritual practice also like dial myself even further behind in the race, I find that very difficult. Whereas the idea that I, first of all, am one with everything that exists and that we all have Buddha nature, like the, the opportunity for enlightenment and realized perfection that, that really appeals to me. And that's a nice place for me to start. Um, now he's, he's quoting someone else. He says, how marvelous, how wonderful. All sentient beings are perfect and without flaw. Only due to delusive attachments, the truth cannot be seen. Unquote. These are the famous words spoken by Shakyamuni at the moment of his enlightenment. Uh, that's the guy we call the Buddha. In the words of a Chinese sutra, he said, I attained the way simultaneously with the whole world and with all sentient beings. Everything, mountains, rivers, trees, grasses, all attained Buddhahood. At the moment when the fog clouding his own eyes cleared, the enlightened one's voice—again, that's Buddha. That's what Buddha means, actually, enlightened. Uh, The enlightened one's voice rang out, marveling, Up until now, I believed all things in this world lived in a wretched condition of suffering. But now I see that all beings are Buddha and are without the slightest flaw. Not just those blessed with a healthy body, but those who cannot see, those who have lost their hands, or those who are lame, are also perfect just as they are. And now this is Soko Morinaga again. Every year I go on a lecture tour to Hokkaido, which is Japan's northernmost island. There a young woman who was an ardent Christian once asked me, Listening to you, Buddhism appears to teach only to let go of our desires. But Christianity teaches, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. This is a teaching which gives us young people hope. What does the Roshi have to say to this? I asked her, will it be open and given regardless of the way you knock and ask? I said this because I believe that unless you knock and ask with a heart which is in accord with God's heart, nothing will be given you and nothing will be opened unto you. In the Christian teaching it is said, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. This means that though free to choose between this and that and to ask accordingly, it is God who decides what is to be given. Buddhism does not teach just to drop our desires, especially in the Zen sect. We also continuously knock and ask until our very bones are ground to powder. Buddhism also assures us that by repeatedly knocking and asking, we will at long last realize, deep within ourselves, that even before we began to ask, it was already given, and even before we began to knock, it was always open and this goes again to that idea that you you start off as an enlightened perfect being and you you know what's the point of practicing then well the point of practicing is because most of us don't realize that and act accordingly we don't realize our interdependence on all things and act accordingly and so the more we do this practice the more we kind of bring ourselves into harmony with the world as it is and we treat the world as it is as if uh, our actions affected it and everything in it and vice versa and because that i Believe that that is true. And again, I don't believe that for like woo woo reasons. I believe that because it it does seem inarguably to be the case, right? Just scientifically speaking, it seems to be the case that the the movements and actions of everything affect everything else. And so it's not hard for me to believe that. What I do has an impact on the world. I mean, that's essentially karma in that sense, right? That the idea that our actions create the conditions in which we are going to live that that makes perfect sense to me because like you i've seen it play out in my life over and over and over again and so while i do have i guess what i would call a faith in the practice of zazen the practice of seated meditation and um, in a lot of these ideas of buddhism it is it is i don't even know faith is the right word but it is certainly to whatever degree it is a faith it is a faith grounded in the experiential knowledge of 20 years of this practice. And I'm not trying to convert you to Buddhism. You do you. It's totally fine if you're not a Buddhist. Most people aren't. And uh, that's cool. Buddhism is not really a proselytizing kind of thing. And and even if it were, I would not be doing it. Um, but it is definitely worth taking that quiet time each day to see inside yourself, see the nature of yourself, and then how that is connected to what's around you. And, you know, even if you started with five minutes of quiet meditation a day, I think you would quickly find that it was quite useful. I think Buddhism kind of overlays on top of that a useful system of ethics and some very helpful tools because over 2,500 years, people have been sitting quietly on cushions and, you know, have figured a few things out in that time. But whether or not you overlay Buddhism on top of that, the practice itself uh, is very, very useful. Um, I I mean, again, I would recommend investigating Buddhism if any of this appeals to you. But uh, I think the practice is in itself quite useful because most of us don't spend any time inside ourselves. uh, Or if we do, it's just reinforcing negative stories that we tell over and over again. And when I say we collectively, believe me, I'm including I in this. So that's the show for today. It's a little longer than normal. The chapter was a little longer, but um and I also had to do it three times. <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, I've been recording this same show with the air conditioning off so that the fan would not be running it's a hundred well it's hundred and twelve according to the uh, thing outside but I think the house is probably just on fire it's probably more like 105 or 106 um, it's it's really hot in here so anyway I'm gonna stop I'm not gonna take off all my clothes as Usher would recommend I will just remind you to go to a briefchat.com if you enjoy this show uh, now more than ever I could really use your help by becoming a member uh, you can also become a member of the jazz session if you listen to that you can become a member of both if you're you know about and uh, I love you. A better world is possible, but we do have a lot of work to do.